Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello, everyone. Welcome to M3 Property. You're with John Pigeon, and I have the pleasure of Emily Wallace joining us today. Hello, Emily. Hello, hello. Once again, third episode in a row. You will become a regular soon. I'm feeling very lucky, third time in a row. Very lucky to be on. Not as much as us. So, before we get into it, we've got an exciting topic today that is right up Emily's sleeve, but we must have a shout out and thank you to Wellman Finance. Uh, we couldn't be doing this without their support, Sean and the team down in Melbourne. Emily, why do we need a strategic mortgage broker in our corner? Look, brokers are worth their weight in gold and more some, I think. Being able to take your financial situation and mould it to the best lender is just so important in the purchasing process. Uh, it's you can't you know undervalue that. It's really really essential. And uh, I know Sean does an awesome job, but certainly having a broker on board and one in your corner, key, absolutely key. Uh, very good. So we just asked to keep him and his team in the mix when you're looking at mortgage or finding a strategic mortgage broker somewhere around the country. He's located in Melbourne but does operate, uh, has clients right around the space. Um, so go to wellmanfinance.com.au forward slash M3, something like that. That's the correct one. Cool. We got that right. <laughs> um, so you might not have heard Glenn's voice for an episode or so now. So sorry about that if you love hearing Glenn's voice, but um, look, things uh, things need to evolve, don't they? And uh, um, yeah, we've got bigger the fish to fry. The gate crashes here. I've taken, taken, yeah. taken over for a few episodes. I hope everyone's okay <laughs> with that. Yeah. Nah, it's, it's great to get a female voice in, that's for sure. So the topic today, what should I be looking for at Open Homes? This is right down your alley. It certainly is. I could not tell you how many open homes I've been to in my lifetime, but it would have to be well and truly into the thousands. And there's <laughs> definitely things that I've learned. I'm sure you've learned plenty as well along the way as to what we should be looking out for. And I think what people often overlook in an open home when they get a little bit swept up in the emotions um, or the the fanciness of the property. So certainly keen to unpack that one. The dirty E word. Yeah. Now I, I used to be so obsessed with open homes, like back before kids, like I'm showing my age now, but wherever Mm -hmm. I'd go on weekends, if it was local or if it was away for the weekend, I would be jumping into open homes just for the sake of looking through houses because it just interests me. And, And obviously it's still a passion now, but I don't have the time to to, well, I do have the time, but I want to spend it with my kids. But yeah, going, you can learn so much from going through different houses and talking to different people, can't you? Definitely. And I'm sure there's probably plenty of people listening who tune into this podcast who are a Saturday regular. You know, they, they go out just purely out of interest. They're probably, maybe they've already bought their first investment or first property, but they just love property and they go to opens. And I think that's great. The more you see, the more you learn. 
Yeah. When, when I first started, and again, showing age here, it was looking in the window of the real estate agent to see when the open times were on. There was no internet. It was just, oh, okay, this one's on at 10.30. How 10 did you organise your life? <laughs> I know. How did we do that? No mobile phone. It was like, wow. But um, any case, yeah, it's the, the importance of doing your due diligence, whatever you're doing. Now, I talk about the 100-10-1 rule, which is, look through 100 homes, put out 10 offers and buy one. Now, that's probably extreme to a lot of listeners, but mm. it definitely gives you a really good idea of an area. It gives you a good idea of of what not to buy, what you need to buy, uh, what some comparable sales are. And you spoke last episode about the the trusty Excel spreadsheet. So, uh, when, you, when you're collecting all this data, looking through 40, 30, 60, 80, 100 homes, you, you're just becoming an expert for that time that you're going to transact. Definitely. And look, I think real estate agents are becoming more and more savvy about um, covering up things that they don't want people to see or hear in a home. Oof. Uh, Give me so, an example of that. Well... The classic one is always the music playing. If there's music playing or if there's a candle burning, there's reason for that. It's not just to make it sound or smell nice. Let me tell you. You reckon? What's going on? Are the crows uh, whistling that you didn't want to hear? To The music's covering that up, is it? I think the biggest thing, the music is often playing when there is a lot of noise. So it could be a construction site next door. It could be a main road. Uh, it could be numerous things it's actually you know got a pretty bad noise even sometimes air conditioning units if you're in an apartment block if it's centralized they make like a whining noise yes uh, yeah. music is used to mask sound that they don't want you to hear so yeah, it's a good point creaking um, floorboards yes oh that's a big mm. one especially in those older homes um yeah. people listening who are going to open homes don't be afraid to ask to turn the music down not a problem. You need to hear the house you're going to be living in or investing in. Turn that music right down. There you 100%. go. We tell we we tell the kids that turn the music down, kids. But uh, yeah, so now we're telling the agent turn your music down. Um, yeah, cool. So um, the the smell and the and the music. The the big one that I used to like to do was and and not many people follow it because it's pretty crappy. But going to open homes when it's raining. You get a feel yes. for, well, number one is the is the roof leaking for a start. <laughs> Not many people want to turn up because it's too wet to go outside. And and you would know this living in Melbourne. Not, not Nothing against Melbourne's weather, but it does rain a bit more than the average. Definitely does. It brings out the true buyers when it's raining. If you're prepared to uh, get an umbrella out and put your rain jacket on and still go to open homes, it means you're pretty serious. But uh, you touch on a great point that you want to be able to see that the house doesn't a flood, uh, also that the gutters are, are working properly and the drainage is working properly because that's often a really big issue in those older homes that they yes people don't I don't know what it is but people don't clean their gutters that should just no. be a stock standard Sunday job clean the leaves yeah. out just uh, check the smoke alarms clean the clean the gutters. Yeah do, yeah, do a bit of cleaning up. Yeah. Basic maintenance. So what other things should we be looking for? We've touched upon the music. We're turning that down. We're blowing the candle out so we, we, we're masking <laughs> the smell. We're, uh, we're, we're checking for leaks and, and our, our gutters and drainage and those sort of things. What, what else are we looking for? The biggest one is turning off the lights. I think 
that that particularly when the aspect of the property is is south facing so perhaps you know it's a south facing rear where the entertaining area is and where you're going to spend a lot of time south facing is not desired in the sun doesn't spend a lot of time in the south so turning the lights off in that area to understand what is the natural light actually looking like is really important you don't want to move into a dark and dingy home no one you know, particularly likes that the general population wouldn't want that. So turning the lights off throughout the home, I think is a really important one and don't be afraid to do it. Yeah, good one. That's a really good one. So when you're walking through the home, depending on how busy the market is, you might, and, and at the time of recording, it's probably not going to happen because it's one in, one out. But what if there are, are multiple people looking through, you've got an agent following you around, you're, you're getting um, giving your details to the agent, it's all pretty busy. It, uh, it can be hard to look at all these things in detail, can't it? How do we get around that? I think the biggest thing is the first time you're going through to a you know general open on a Saturday, 10 a.m., that's your first look to qualify, is it good enough for me to come back a second time? I don't think anybody should be buying a property off one inspection and I would be requesting that you can get a private inspection where you have the house to yourself to really go through it properly and not feel like you having to get through quickly because other people are waiting to get in or um, yes. feeling like, you know, there's lots of people traipsing through. Bang, bit of gold right there. Private inspection, folks. So so get an individualized one, get to know the agent. Maybe they'll tell you more than what they would have in, in a group inspection and it gives you time to get the measuring tape out and, and have a look around. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, don't be afraid to ask. So another thing that I like to do as well is look at what's happening with the floors now with with floorboards it's probably a little bit easier but um, is there any dipping or sloping going on and especially in the older homes uh, it it gives you a pretty good view of the foundations doesn't it if you if you see that uh, the floorboards are maybe angled angling towards uh, one corner or you, you get a golf ball and, and let it roll, you might see that there's a bit of a slope without uh, realising it. So it's it's a, the foundations, as we say, like anything, the foundations are the key to, to, um, to good research. Definitely. I think uh, with those older style, you can often feel when you're walking down a corridor of those floorboards, you know, people liken it to an elastic band if it feels like it's got a lot of elastic in those boards um, there might be restumping required now obviously if you were getting serious about a purchase you would uh, strongly be encouraged to get a building and pest inspection from someone who's qualified to actually comment on the structure and the structural integrity but it's a pretty clear indication if you're walking down a corridor and you're feeling like you have to hold onto the walls to get down there (laughs) Might not be so sturdy <laughs> and no. probably working out what is the cost for potentially restumping the house. Um, I once someone told me to carry a marble at open homes. So I know yep. you mentioned the golf ball, but yep. you know, something that's round that rolls <laughs> so you can put it on the ground and see where it goes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it looks pretty weird, but again, when you're spending 500, a million, some cases, two million, it's probably a worthwhile exercise to get the ball out and, and let it roll. Definitely. I think don't be embarrassed. I think a lot of people don't do these things because they're worried they're going to offend somebody or, you know, someone's looking at them. You're about to literally invest probably the largest sum of money you've ever put forward. Don't yeah. don't be embarrassed. Don't be afraid. Test it out. If you were buying a car, you'd be testing all the bells and whistles, Do the, how the windows go up and down, where the wipers are, where's the button for the boot, you know. So don't be afraid yeah. to do the same thing in screening a house. 
Totally. Yeah. Now, neighbors. How do oh. you, the the research in the, <laughs> I know and I've heard stories of it before where the neighbors don't want that house to sell because they know it'll go to investors or developers. So they they give everyone the shits when they're uh, everyone's walking into the open home. But is it is there some way that you can maybe talk to the neighbors to get a feel of the of the street and the, and the experiences and who's lived there and and because they like to the gossip neighbors, don't they? Oh, don't we all? I mean, they made a TV show out of Neighbours. I'm pretty sure everyone loves a bit of gossip. Um, But (laughs) I think, so I often have one ear out for who's talking to the agent as they're coming through. And if they say, oh, I'm just a neighbour having a nose, you don't need my name and number. I'm not going to buy the property. Um, I like, stick under those people like glue till the end of yes. the open home to to have a little chat you know what's it like living here and um can you tell me a bit about the street if you can't do that if you're a bit nervous or you can't do that or there is no neighbors i think the second best option is facebook groups so yes. a lot of neighborhoods do have facebook groups and i would simply put a post up saying i'm thinking of buying in you know xyz street just wanted some neighbourly insight as to what that street might be like and can guarantee you, you'll get, you know, you'll get a Karen, as we say down here in Melbourne, I'm not sure you've seen that meme floating around about Karen, who will tell you everything about the neighbourhood and the street and, uh, you know, who's who. And that's such, it's vital information and it's great information Mm. to have because neighbours, you can't pick your neighbours. You definitely can't pick them. And that brings me to like the, the Facebook group, uh, is a good example of that, I suppose. What we're trying to do is gather data to make an informed assessment, aren't we? Like it, it's uh, because Karen next door said that the the roof's leaking or whatever, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily gospel. It's just something that we're taking into account that we can apply to our checklist that when we're analysing properties. So if you get something in the Facebook group that says, no, it's a crappy street, well, you're obviously taking it on board, but it may not be your defining decision maker because you've heard it on that particular group. That's a really good point. Don't take it as gospel, but certainly gather all the information that you can to make a good choice. Um, I think that that's, that's really key. And yeah, if, if you can, I mean, those conversations with the, with the actual neighbours who are at the open home at the time, they're invaluable. They're great if you yeah. can really get a, a good account, but yes, make sure you're getting info from multiple sources, not relying on one disgruntled community member. No, absolutely. Team of people is critical. So mm. you get your contract, you send it to your conveyancer, um, you, you've got potentially your buyer's agent with you or at least reporting back to them. You also, as you mentioned before, get yourself a building and pest inspection, but I like to chat to a builder and say, look, have you got 10 minutes? I'm going to look at this home that I'm pretty keen on. It's probably going to be the second inspection, not necessarily the first one, but I'm keen on this Mm. property. Can you come with me and just uh, run your eyes over it? Because I'm not a builder. These hands are as clean as anything. I'm not going to be building anything and I can't see what's going to be defects. Can you come through it with me? Um, Do you see a lot of that? I do. I think an extension of that is when people are considering altering the property. Um, and we can touch on floor plan in a second, but I think if you are considering doing something to enhance the property or alter the property and you actually need a builder to come in and give you a bit of an idea of cost, 
you can kind of kill two birds with one stone there in that you're getting their assessment of the structural integrity and any defects that you should be aware of, but you're also potentially going to use them or, you know, connections of theirs for a minor renovation, maybe a facelift, something to enhance the property. So I often on second round inspections do get a, a reno group through to have a look and the main guy is a qualified builder uh, who will give his commentary as well. Yeah, cool. And, and what may be stopping someone from doing that is, oh, that's another cost I take into account. But again, what we spoke about before, it's a lifelong investment uh, that you're about to to journey on and you could be spending a million dollars. So to to buy the builder a slab of beer or pay him a couple hundred dollars or her um, to come through is probably not um, going to break the bank. Well, just on that, actually, this is probably a really um, money-saving tip for people who are going down that track that some people might not know. If a building and pest inspection has already been done on the property, so another party has already engaged a building and pest inspector, you can ask the agent for the details of that inspector to contact them directly to on-sell the report. Now, yes. some of them will want to check with the buyer who originally bought it to see if they're okay with it. But at the end of the day, you having that information, the same information isn't going to really make that much of a difference because it'll come down to dollars and cents. But yeah. uh, often you can get them for half the original price because they've already done it. They've already completed the report and they're just on selling it to you. So that could save you a few hundred bucks. Yeah. So what are your, what are your feelings on that? Because I've seen that quite a bit in Sydney uh, where you, you might be able to grab it for $50 as opposed to $300. Um, mm. It's it's one that's been organised by the vendor, right? Oh yes, yep. So it, it's not it's it it is on paper an independent report. However, and I'm playing devil's advocate here. A vendor mm. organises it. They their mates a building and pest inspector, and and does inspections regularly. They've done that report for the benefit of the vendor. Am I being too negative in, in response to that? Would would you get your independent one or would you be okay to take that? It's a great question. I think where my first thought goes on that is the vendor has obviously gone to do that or been asked to do that because it's likely that many people are going to request a building and pest inspection. And most of the time what you'll find is it's actually to save the agent time because the agent doesn't have to go yes. back every time to do a building and pest, it's blanketed. In terms of it being reliable and should you get someone else in, at the end of the day, it's the liability of the building and pest company to provide you accurate information. And if you purchase mm. that and you're insured that that's what they're doing. It actually has nothing to do with the vendor. I personally, if it was available, I'd be buying it for my buyers for sure. Um, I don't think that there's any malicious, you know, um, way of going about that particularly unless I was led to believe otherwise. Mm. Yep. No, fair enough. So I'm just being negative, Nancy. Don't worry about me. Um, now- no, no, not a- I, think it, I think it's fair. I, I, look, I don't think you're the only one who would think that, by the way. I, I think that that's a fair assumption. I just think that a building and pest company to put themselves up for that you know they got to make yeah. sure they're providing accurate information and independent yeah, information. yeah no, totally totally so what are some other points that you would be looking at when you're going through open homes so i personally like to carry around the floor plan like a map in the home and try and work out from a functionality piece and i guess this is probably more so for homeowners but could also be for investors how does this practically work uh, and mm-hmm. am I satisfied with the way the layout is? If not, what am I going to need to do to change that? And what's the cost of it? 
carrying the floor plan around, you know, you can, you're walking through it, like I said, like a map. Um, second to that, I would be comparing the measurements written on the floor plan with the actual measurements of the rooms. Unfortunately, I have seen uh, measurements altered, particularly, mm-hmm. um, this is for those looking at places with a second or third bedroom, uh, particularly when a standard double room is three by three and they have, you know, upped the 2.8 to a three. They've rounded it up so that it, <laughs> on paper, is a standard double when, in fact, it is not. So I no. would strongly encourage taking a measuring tape or a laser measurer to measure yeah, out those cool. rooms. Yeah, that's a good yeah. tip. So when you're taking the map through, do you turn it upside down uh, like I do when we're travelling in a car trying to get somewhere or uh, <laughs> keep it, uh, <laughs> not keep particularly, it but <laughs> <laughs> I sometimes get the compass out just to see, you know, what part am I actually standing at and is this actually north facing because um, you'd be surprised what information gets slightly skewed and can actually, you know, change your impression yeah. of the property. But definitely... A logical floor plan, if it's too hard to change and it's going to cost you too much, that could rule out that property. So you need to be on top of it. Yeah, and I suppose talking like owner-occupied, it's it's no-brainer that you would need to look at that proper floor plan. Um, for developers, if you're knocking the house down, you mightn't even go through it, right? That That's the raw yeah. bones of it. But mm-hmm. as an investor, again, probably less emotion are tied to it. So it really does depend on the type of buyer, doesn't it, uh, as to how mm. much due diligence you're going to to put into that. Um, like I, I about six years ago bought a, a, a block here on the coast um, that I literally spent 30 seconds in the house and, and I was gone and, and ended up buying it, but I knew that that was going to be a knockdown over in, in 12 months' time. So I wasn't really fussed with the the uh, the angle that the boards were on or the the gutters leaking and things like that so yeah knowing what your strategy is um, to begin with as to how much due diligence you're going to place or importance you're going to put on certain areas definitely very very important and um, yeah we mm. varying levels for different people but hopefully there's been a few you know tips and insider knowledge in there because if you're not in the industry and you're entering open home for the, for the first or second time you, you don't know these things so we're here to help unpack that and, and make sure people uh, have an advantage when they're walking into an open home. Yeah, and, and again, first home buyers, like, and shout out to all the real estate agents listening, but they, they agents can be quite intimidating with their, with their, their mm. suit and their, their official pen and, and their uh, really confident sort of people. Like it, it can be quite intimidating just to begin with, with the agent, let alone it's my first time looking through a home, what the hell am I looking for? So, yeah, I think it's... Um, it's it's making sure that you stick to your guns and do that level of due diligence and not be put off by the confident agent or the, there's many people looking through and are they going to offer more than me? And uh, and I suppose that's where the comfort of someone like yourself comes in in the form of a buyer's agent helping you through that. Yeah, definitely. I think it can certainly help or at the very least having a level-headed family member or friend or you know person that you trust to make sure that you're um, sticking to your guns and, and not getting too emotional about it all. Yeah, cool. No, that's good, Emily. Now, anything, any final points to finish before we round that out? I think it's been a fair bit covered. I think the main thing is to, on, from a logistical point of view, map out your day, your Saturday of, um, of open homes that you're going to. Take some snacks. Take something for the road. You're going to be out there for a while. Yes. Yeah, keep your energy up. Yeah, you've got to keep the energy up and 
take like make little notes so that because by the time trust me by the time you go through six back to back you've forgotten what number one was yes. so either take a video at the open home um, or just take notes after each one write it down on the on the plant pamphlet that you get or you know in your phone so you remember where you've been yeah cool now that's a great idea and and they're usually half an hour blocks, aren't they, open homes? So w- what's your record of uh, how many open homes you've attended in the half-hour block? Oh, in the half-hour block, I've done three. Um, in yep. a day, I've done 13 back-to-back. Wow. That's, that's yeah, a busy... I forgot what number one was by the end of it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it, and that's a really important point, especially if, if we – I spoke about the 110-1 rule. If we are going to get through, say, 10 open homes a week for, for a 10-week period, uh, we, we need to make sure that we are logically looking in the right order with the right time frame so we're not darting back and forth when we could have cut a lot of time off and get that extra 10 minutes in the looking around a particular home. So, yeah, that's that's a great point. Yeah, less stress the better. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think we'll round it out there. So that's been fantastic, Emily. Thanks for sharing your tips with us on uh, what you should be looking for at open homes. And and I think the general message is let's just get out there and, and experience some. Even if you're, if you're six months, 12 months out from potentially buying, just, just get out there and have some fun and have a look through some open homes. It's not the end of the world if you, you give your phone number and your email address to an agent. It's uh, it's all part of the process. Um and, and just get some experience, get some runs on the board and, and it'll put you in good stead for when you finally execute. Definitely. Get out there and start looking. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Emily. It's been a pleasure bringing this information to you today. Glenn James is looking over my shoulder, so he's probably saying let's wind it up and um, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. See you guys. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders past and present we extend that respect to aboriginal and torres strait islander peoples who may listen to our podcast special thanks to wellman finance our podcast partner sean wellman and his team are available to coach you through your property journey even if it's your first time with expertise in investment and home loans they're in your corner providing education and support as you take each step for more info check out wellmanfinance.com.au forward slash m3 If you want to really turn up your property, education, and information journey, make sure you check out the Solvair Property and Finance Academy. This is an amazing online resource that John has put together. It's to empower and to give results to people who are either first-time buyers, whether for their home to live in or an investment property, or if you're a seasoned property investor. This online academy is for you. Check out the link in the show notes. It will change your life if you let it. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Mom 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.